Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Happy Tuesday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown here from Pollen City, USA. Have you seen the yellow mist around Middle Georgia today, Russell B? I have. In fact, if I were to uh, commit a crime, I would be described as driving a yellow sedan. I was going to go get mine uh, cleaned, but then I'm like, well, why? There's no reason. No no reason. And we both have red vehicles, so it shows up really well. Oh, yes. Real attractive. Nothing like a yellow and red vehicle coming down your way. You look like old Astros uniforms or something. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's uh, it's pretty bad. I don't think it was like this yesterday. So I think today I went on my back porch and I looked out, have some land back there where I can kind of see without trees, and it was like yellow. And then when I drove into town, it was like yellow. And I'm sure uh, I'm heading to South Georgia. I'm sure it's going to be like that, probably already been like that, maybe a day or two earlier. Uh, but uh it is appropriate because guess what tomorrow is? March 1st. So we should not be surprised that we are baked in yellow. And I actually sneezed today. I, I'm not big on letting that affect me too much, but I think it got to me. It was a, it was not a COVID sneeze. It was a it was a pollen sneeze. So anyway, beautiful weather though, isn't it? Just nice. Oh, it's spring. A little warm last night though. That was like, I think it was pushing 85 today. Jeez. At least that's what I had on the car. Mm. A little toasty. Later on in the program, Rod McKenzie will join us, geojackets.com. We'll talk with him about the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets who play baseball and basketball today. And we have a pretty good amount of talk to big debut coming up tonight with the first game for the new head coach, Quinn Snyder. We'll talk about that in our next segment. First Falcons talk as the Falcons did what we expected them to do and that is release Marcus Mariota. If there was one positive about Marcus Mariota's time in Atlanta, it is we all found out through the urging of Arthur Smith, the head coach, of how to pronounce Marcus Mariota because he repeatedly corrected those who did not say it correctly. Mariota. Nope, Mariota. So it's Mar, like Mar-a-Lago. I was thinking like Mario Brothers. Okay. Okay. That'll work too. Any either way, he ain't here. <laughs> he gone. He gone. And that's a good thing. It saves twelve million dollars on the room for the cap, which means the Falcons now have about sixty eight million dollars to play with, which is the second behind the Chicago Bears in the free agent derby, which will start in a couple of weeks. Which is good. I mean, I, I I like that. I like having the second most money. The Jaguars also opened up some space today. I think they cleared $26 million on their cap. So both the Falcons and the Jaguars are two teams. I'm just – I mean, I know a lot of people in South Georgia who are listening like the Jaguars, and I'm jumping on a bandwagon. It's a good time to. Damn right. Young quarterback, good head coach, bright future. No kidding. And they – restructured some deals and they got 26 more million so they have a lot they have a lot of free agents they have to deal with so that's one thing to keep in mind but falcons have a lot of work to do 
And it's going to be fun to see, of course, when free agency starts in a couple of weeks. Is it two weeks from today or tomorrow? Hmm. It's the 15th. Because you know why? I put it on my calendar in my phone. <laughs> there you go. Look at here. NFL free agency. That's <laughs> important. I knew that phone would be worth something one day. <laughs> Thank goodness. NFL free agency at 4 o'clock on Wednesday, March the 15th. So two weeks from tomorrow, it'll be free agency. Now, of course, that's when it'll start. Although, you know what? We sat there one day. We were at uh, across town, and we sat there one day thinking we were going to learn a lot beforehand. And at like at 3.59, we learned like three signings. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Can't remember who they were because they probably weren't very successful. But nonetheless, we sat there and they're like, oh, they just signed this guy. Oh, they just signed this guy. And that's probably what it's going to be two weeks from tomorrow at 4 o'clock, don't you think? Yeah, because I I mean, I I think there's some leniency here because the deadline used to be midnight, right? So I think you could probably start talking to people. They're already talking to each other. We know that. Oh yeah. Informally, but yeah, they they a lot of these deals get done before the league year starts, and you, they can just have to wait until four o'clock to announce it. Yeah, I think so. So we'll probably start hearing some things now. I and, and this is a fun time to have social media for this respect. Earlier today, the Browns pretty much re- announced that they're going to either trade or release John Johnson III, a six-year veteran who started with the Rams and has spent the last two seasons in Cleveland. He's a safety. He started 32 games the last two years, four interceptions, 162 tackles, Russ, including 101 this year. D. Orlando, however, brought this to our attention on his Twitter account. And he kind of hinted at this because he put Falcons and then the eyeball role there that, that you could have where it's like you're looking at something. And D. Orlando has hinted around at a couple of different safeties, like the one from Cincinnati we talked about last week, right? Bates, was that his name, I believe, Jesse mm-hmm. Bates? Yep. yep. And so now here's John Johnson. So there are a couple of, of veteran safeties who are not old, old safeties because I think Bates has about the same amount of experience, five or six years, as Johnson does. So this is what's going to be fun for the next two weeks is to watch like Michael Rothstein from ESPN who covers the Falcons. Josh Kinderall, our good friend the Athletic, who covers the Falcons very, very well. And then, of course, D. Orlando. And see what they kind of react to when it comes to uh, these moves that teams are making. Uh, obviously, teams are paring down their payroll to prepare. Oh, you know who I sounded like with that little phrase. He's in St. Louis now. Uh for the free agency. So we're seeing a lot of moves that are going on, a lot of different things that are that are kind of happening. I just saw 51 seconds ago around the NFL on Twitter just announced that the Buccaneers plan to release Leonard Fournette. So it, it, it's, it's happening, and there must be a deadline today. Today must be a deadline. Probably a roster bonus deadline. Yeah. You think that's what it is yeah. probably? That, where they have to have uh, them off the, the payroll by – the end of February, or they'll be owed or something, or or maybe a guarantee. That could be it probably, too, probably, I would imagine. But we're going to see a lot of, of different activity, and that's going to be fun to watch, I think, because, look, the Falcons are in a great position with now $68 million available to do a lot of things. Terry Fontenot talked today. Was it at the uh, uh, Combine, I yep. guess? 
And he said what we expected him to say, I believe, and that is, look, we're, we're, yeah, we've got it, but we're not going to just spend it unwisely. We're going to try to be careful with it, and, and I, I, I get that approach, but I think he also has to see a tremendous amount of opportunities to help this roster with this flexibility that he now has. Yeah, I, this is um, you know, this is really the 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 off season for him and his tenure as Falcons general manager. I mean, nothing he does next month is going to immediately impact. But this team feels poised to compete for a division title, to compete, to go to the playoffs, to get playoff wins. I mean, there's still some key pieces that they need, like uh, developing a quarterback, which hopefully they're in the process of of finding that guy, but. You know, it's it's like we saw with the Hawks. The rebuild, the beginning is easy because you're at rock bottom. Now you have to make some decisions that are going to have an impact on your roster. And they're the types of decisions that you can't easily get out of. So, in other words, if you because with free agents, you're going to overpay. That That's just the nature of the beast. So, you're going to overpay for guys at key positions to try to make yourself more competitive next year. If you miss on these, you know, three or four years down the road – it could lead to the you know your the end of your tenure if you're Terry Fontenot. So it's a very important offseason for he and Arthur Smith because this is really where you start to really define your program, so to speak, because this is the first year they could really do anything in free agency. Absolutely. No, they didn't do anything but bargain shop at Dollar General last year. So to be able to have that opportunity is great. And I, I, I can't wait. I mean, we've been waiting for this for a long time. When we really kind of realized what the – situation was for last year with the dead money and how big of a percentage of the payroll was going to be on the dead money and they really would not have a very competitive roster because of that then it was like okay wow hold on now let's kind of see what's opening up for 2023 and then I got excited because there's a lot of possibilities here and a lot of positions that could be strengthened Darren Payne the former Alabama player who is one of what 30 Alabama players on the Washington Redskins roster is going to stay there at least for next year. The well, I'm sorry. What are they called? The Commanders. Oh yes, the Washington Football Team. Yeah, uh, that was better. Why don't they just keep that? I thought it was neat. They were the only team without a nickname. Yeah, they sound like a a, a, a soccer program. Yeah, didn't it they? does. Yeah, but it was kind of better than. I mean, what the hell's a commander these days? Is there a Commanders? Are they still out there? Are they commanding anybody, or I, is that illegal? I, I, I think so. Okay. I, I think so, yeah. Well, I guess that's what they decided on. But uh, the Redskins uh, put the franchise tag on Darren Payne, and that was someone who might have been a Falcons target, defensive tackle. I think they're going to get someone to go with Grady Jarrett. I think – I may be wrong there, but I think there doesn't seem to be a defensive tackle with Jalen Carter off the board at – Eight, you assume. I don't think there's another defensive tackle that's going to be close to that situation there. So, therefore, I would be shocked if they do not sign some sort of veteran defensive tackle to complement Grady Jarrett when free agency starts. Yeah, you know, you're starting to hear, like, going back to what you were talking about with the safeties that D. Orlando keeps tweeting about, you don't see a lot of those early on in the draft. You see plenty of corners. Um, defensive tackles, you don't, you don't see a lot of those at the beginning of the draft. You see a lot of defensive ends. So it's almost like, you know, I, I think free agency is going to give us a better idea of what the Falcons want to do in the draft because they're going to fill some holes. And I think that's a smart way to approach it. it it's kind of two – there's two ways to do it. I and mean, obviously, 
if if you can sign a defensive tackle and then draft a defensive end, then all of a sudden, you know, you've kind of rebuilt your defensive line if you if you hit on your your signings and your draft picks. And, and then the other thing too is, what's going to be what do you you're, you're going to pay more for a pass rusher than you are an interior defensive lineman? So it makes sense to get the interior guy in free agency and then draft the defensive end because he's going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. So which is kind of like what they're doing with the receiving. Uh, receivers right now uh, that's kind of become the, the the mo we know about the quarterback on the rookie contract but the skilled position players the pass rushers the tackles the guys that command large salaries try to find those guys in the draft and then pay for everything else and there's there's some rush ends on free agency Jadavion Clowney comes to my mind that I don't think is going to break the bank if you wanted to go down that direction and look I'm not going to kind of complain if they get two <laughs> they kind of need a lot of de- a lot of pass rush periods, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, I, I I think the Marcus Mariota thing is is very interesting. You know, look, um, I'm excited about the quarterback situation for the Falcons. I I do not know how good Desmond Ritter is going to be, but I am excited because the Falcons have someone who they should be able to develop and give a shot to. Quarterback is such a, a dicey position in the NFL. You can be great one day, and you can suck and be on the release list tomorrow. Ask Carson Wentz. He was leading the Eagles to the court, to the Super Bowl a cu- couple of years ago. Got hurt. Nick Foles came in, won the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden Carson Wentz. He's almost he's almost to the point now that he's not going to be with Washington anymore. The Redskins. He's going to be a journeyman. I mean, he, he oh, go, yeah. you go from a five years. He was on the cusp because I think they would have won with him, even though Foles had to come in because he got hurt, Russ, because they were having a great year with with Coach Peterson. But you go from being on the cusp of being a Super Bowl winning quarterback, which changes your life. Let, let's just admit it. Ask Trent Dilfer, right? It changes your life to a journeyman. And I so, you know, that shows to me what the quarterback position is in the NFL. Now, that being said, Carson Wentz is one of those that I think would be a really good possibility for being a backup to Desmond Ritter because Carson Wentz, by no means, because he didn't win that Super Bowl and because he has become someone who is now going to be on his third team with a release from Washington, is not going to be guaranteed a full-time job, in my opinion. I'd be shocked if a team offers him a shot at being – the guy. Now, one of these teams is going to draft a, a quarterback like Richardson or or Levis or Stroud or maybe even Bryce. You know, could they look at Carson Wentz and say, okay, this is a guy who really for one year, if we didn't feel comfortable with those guys to turn it over to them in their rookie year, we could have him come in and it's not going to break the bank. It's not going to be something that's going to be just a, a, a financial issue. And then if the other guy takes over, we'll be okay. I could see that happening, but I could also see the Atlanta Falcons saying, all right, Carson Wentz is still young enough to where he could push Desmond Ritter, but Desmond Ritter should be in position to win the job, and if not, we can go to Carson Wentz. But either way, Russ, Carson Wentz probably is going to be told you're not guaranteed of a starting job in any of those scenarios. Right, and that's the exact type of free agent quarterback the Falcons need to bring in. Mm-hmm. Because if he wins the job, then you know Desmond Ritter's not the guy, and it's easier to move on from Carson Wentz, say, than if they brought in 
a Derek Carr. You bring in Derek Carr. Oh, no. You're hitching yourself to that wagon for the next three to five years. Yeah. And I just don't think that's a really good idea. So that that's the type of free agent, a guy that's going to kind of moving into that role of being, I'm, I'm sure these aren't words he would want to hear, but career backup. Uh, that That's the type of guy you're looking for. Now, and, and if you look at the free agent list, Jimmy Garoppolo is also on there. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be ready for that. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to try to convince someone that he still could be a starter. And look, he 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 may well do that. He may well convince someone that he could be a starter in the NFL. I don't think there was any reason he was losing his job in San Francisco before his injury, with the exception of the fact that they had draft, drafted Trey Lance at number four two years ago, and that didn't work out. <laughs> they certainly don't seem too excited about Trey Lance, especially since Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. And before his UCL injury, was poised to take over that franchise as the starting quarterback. So um, you know, there's different ways the the Falcons can go in getting that backup or complimentary. I don't I don't even know if I want to go so far as to call a backup, but yet I don't want to make it seem like I do want someone to come in and win the job from Desmond because I want Desmond to win the job and play 17 games. But I do want someone to push him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So almost I feel like a complimentary quarterback is the term to use that could be more appropriate than just a back. Because when I think of backup, I'm like, okay, you know, who was the one that just retired at 38? Uh, Henny, Chad Henny. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, he started probably, what, 10 games in his life over 15 years and – I, I want something a little bit more than that, Pratt. And that's why Carson fits the bill. He does. And it's a shame they had to release Marcus Mariota, cause he, and they had to, by the way. Yeah. He Because he's that guy. They had that guy already, but he quit on the team. Yeah, so. screw him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, they couldn't want him around anymore. No. That was ridiculous. I don't know, you know, if he was pissed about losing the job, go look at your completion percentage. You know, people get all stats-oriented on – Every sport now, when it comes to quarterbacks, you can try to break it down all you want. Just go to the completion percentage. And if you're under 60, you suck. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Kai, yeah. I mean, if that number starts with a five, you need it's, to reevaluate your role. In this day and age, yeah. Because it's a lot of short passes in the open spaces. So the completion percentages get inflated a little bit. But, you know, and the other thing, too, is. So you had to have season in surgery. If you hadn't been benched, you would have been starting that Sunday instead of recovering from surgery. Yeah, so I, that just rubbed me the wrong way. But, no, I think Carson Wentz is, is the tier, if you will, that you're looking for. The And Russ mentioned Derek Carr. The other quarterback, of course, is getting a lot of play right now because of his status as an unrestricted free agent is Daniel Jones, who's wanting a lottery ticket. He's, 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 he's saying, hey, if Denver's stupid enough to give $45 million a year to – Russell Wilson, maybe somebody will be stupid enough to give me $45 million a year. And, heck, they may be. But New York needs to re-sign him. Uh, New York has gone through how many quarterbacks since Dingleberry left? I mean, they've had several since Eli left, right? I mean, several. And, and it's like, go go with this guy. You know, especially with what goes around across the stadium when you've got the Jets being a dumpster fire with a quarterback, too. You found someone who's pretty good. You better keep him. So, but – Daniel Jones is going to want a starting job, and and uh, no, it, it really does look like that that Carson and because of what I said though, Carson Wentz could be in demand. 
he he could be he could kind of draw uh, push up his price a little bit because of those things. Yeah, and and yeah, and that's that's where you know the, you got to play the market a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the, again, going back to Terry Fontenot and why this is such an important off season for him because it's the first one. You want to spend wisely because what you don't want to do is get to a point two or three years down the road where it's like, okay, well, we really need to bring in a quarterback or we need to bring in a go-to wide receiver or we need to bring in a, a sack specialist and you don't have the money to do it. Yeah, that's that's what the previous regime did poorly, right? They would mm-hmm. back themselves into a corner and they would not have that flexibility and it, it killed them. One more thing, uh, we mentioned Josh Kendall's name a little bit earlier. He did have an article today about the players to watch coming up in the combine, which starts on Thursday. He mentioned Peter Skoronsky. more I read about this kid, man, I, I would like him. Dane Brugler's got him as the fourth overall prospect on his draft board, which wow. is, you know, I think the number one offensive lineman uh, for sure. But just the way he grades out on that pass protection, Russ, I mean, that's just hard to ignore, right? Yeah, that and, and the versatility. Yeah. I love the versatility. Who the hell has that these days? Like, that is a first-rounder? Uh, yeah. Nah. Not a lot. I mean, you you got third-rounders like Jalen Mayfield that play right tackle and all of a sudden goes to the NFL <laughs> and plays guard. But anyway. I don't. I don't give anybody off the hook when stupid draft picks like that do. I. It's just come on. Uh, At Perry from Wake Forest was another one mentioned, and Josh Kendall said that the Falcons coached him in the Shrine Bowl and came away very impressed. That kid had a really good career at Wake Forest, and he was right up there in the ACC lead for receive, receiving yards for the last couple of years. So that is one, and I believe he's got pretty good speed because I think they're going to want a speed receiver. And then he mentioned Eli Ricks as a later-round pick at cornerback, which, you know, Eli Ricks is someone that a year ago, before he transferred to Alabama when he was coming from LSU, Russ, a lot of people thought he was a first-round talent. And I don't know all what happened at Alabama because obviously he wasn't a starter. And then when he played, he didn't play all the time, which, of course, is Alabama. But he's someone that you wonder because of – just what had happened before that kind of bump in the road, if a late-round pick could be something that would be a really good late-round pick for a team to get him because he, he he came from LSU with a lot of attention and a lot of publicity with what people thought he could be. Yeah, now the the length, the 6-2-190, really jumps out at corner. And like you said, he was, it was one of the more talked-about transfers yeah. last summer. Uh, but, you know, something's happened, obviously, because he, he wasn't the player that you thought he was going to be. I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the term red flag, but it's, 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 it definitely kind of gets your senses up a little bit. So that's, that, that's a guy that if he's still around, that's, who you're, that's the type of player you're looking for with later picks. You Absolutely. Know, the, the, either they're too short or they don't measure for their position or the measurables are all there, but maybe there's something – Again, character is not the right word because that insinuates he's a bad person. But just you know, you know, off schedule, I guess, or off kilter. You yeah. know, just some kind of bump in the road that didn't allow him to start at Alabama. And it may just be because somebody else was there that was better. I mean, that happens at Alabama all the time. That that's why they're going to have a hard time in the transfer portal, I think, in some respects, because people, these people in the transfer portal, want to be a, really almost assured of playing time. And at Alabama. And Georgia, for that matter, right? You're not going to be guaranteed of nothing. 
come yeah. in and compete, but that's about it. That's what he was given, and he couldn't win the job. Yeah, no, it, it, that's. I think this is one of the growing pains of the portal. Not to get too far off topic, but yeah, yeah you're right though. Kids get people don't transfer to sit on the bench. Nope, not at all. All right, so we'll see what happens and uh, continue to look forward to two weeks from tomorrow when the free agency bonanza will begin. Next, Hawks basketball talk is tonight is the night for the debut of the new head coach for the Atlanta Hawks. Then Rod McKenzie joins us to talk about Georgia Tech baseball and basketball. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. We're back on the broadcast. Thank you very much for being with us. Bill and Russ here on the radio, talking sports. Tonight, we will have Georgia basketball on in Macon, Savannah, Pinehurst, Warner Robins, and Rochelle, right, Russ? Yeah. And then after that, the Hawks will come on. And then for Brunswick and Blackshear Waycross, you will have Hawks basketball tonight with the debut of the new head coach. For the Atlanta Hawks, Quinn Snyder. Hawks will play Washington. Atlanta has won two games in a row. They are 31-30 and 30 after their two-point win on Sunday against the Nets on the last second shot by Trey Young. And now we get to see the Hawks with a new head coach, their third coach of the year. And uh, did you see the, the comments about um, Jalen Johnson – the young player, second-year player, talked about the fact that Nick Prunty – wasn't that his name? Mm-hmm. I I, he, I, for some reason, I cannot remember that man's name. I think I wrote it down yesterday so I would know who the heck it was because I just I kept on forgetting his name. Is it Joe or Nick? That's what I said, Joe. What are you talking about? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I said Nick. I think I was talking about Nick Punto, the former Minnesota Twins <laughs> infielder. There it is. <laughs> All get scrambled yeah. up in there. Starts to run together after a while. I got all kind of names in my head. So, Joe Prunty, P-R-U-N-T-Y. Jalen Johnson said that it was refreshing to have someone actually coach him on doing something like bringing the ball up when he had the opportunity to do so. Which, I mean, look, you cannot read that any other way but saying – I didn't get that from the other guy, you know, just the fact. And he did. I don't think he did. No, well, we talked to Nate McMillan. Is he? He's like uh, Bill. Par- Remember how Bill Parcells used to be? Wouldn't play rookies. <laughs> I mean, Nate McMillan had a little bit of that in him. You know, we learn it, figure it out. It's not my job to teach you how to play basketball. But you know, the league's different now. But especially that this Hawks team. I mean, the veteran leadership on this team is like twenty five. That's <laughs> a young team. So. It, it, it's good to hear that. And I think, too, um, the, you're going to see Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin. I think you're going to see them have a bigger role with this team, and mm-hmm. that's exciting. Well, look, uh, from all accounts and all that I've read about Quinn Snyder, he likes offense. Well, he's going to love this team because this team has the ability to put the ball in the hoop. you got a guy off the bench in Bogdan Bogdanovich who can shoot it really well. You've got a rookie, A.J. Griffin, as you said, who, I, I mean, I think A.J. Griffin can be what Kevin Herter was for this team. You know, he's – I don't know how he is on defense, but Kevin got better on defense as he went along. 
Kevin Herter obviously grew into a player who, when given the opportunity to start and get that kind of minutes, has averaged close to 16 points per game, maybe 17 points by now. He's having a really good year for Sacramento. So I think A.J. Griffin has the ability to be that kind of player because he can shoot. He may have one of the best shooting percentages on the team. I love Jalen Johnson's potential. And I'm not saying talking about star necessarily, but but contributor. And we have learned that the – especially we learned that two years ago when they went deep in the playoffs, man. you got to have people coming out of the woodwork to be able to play in the NBA for 82-plus games in the playoff run. you got to have a lot of people – we talk about depth in baseball all the time. And, you know, remember a couple years ago when they got Bogey and they got Danilo Gallinari, we were like, man, this team's like 10 deep. Mm-hmm. And – I want to get back to that point where they can rely on people because, look, a lot of that dead wood on this roster, Russ, is going to be gone by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, there was um, a, a quote from DeJounte Murray talking about a conversation he had with Quinn Schneider uh, about Jalen Johnson. Mm. And when in the, in the quote DeJounte gave to the media, he, he said in the conversation, uh, Quinn Schneider basically said, we need him. Um, and, and talking about, you know, they're young and they're raw and all these things, but it's what you're saying. You know, you've got to have that depth, and you've got a couple of young players on this team that I think can contribute more. And to hear that they're having that conversation, hmm. and Quinn Snyder's already started connect. and this is DeJounte Murray's words, he went down the line 1 through 15 and started building those relationships with all the players. It sounds like you, you – I don't want to say old-fashioned, but – He's going to coach them hard, but it's because he sees potential in them. Right. Like, you know, it's it's like he wouldn't he wouldn't coach hard if he didn't think they could do it. So he wants to build that relationship so that they understand that's where he's coming from. And if it works, I really think you can turn this team around because the frustration with the Hawks this year it, it has been everybody feels like they're underachieving. This is a more talented roster than a 500 team. Well, I mean, that, they, they may not be the Boston Celtics, but they're better than this. And that's what's pissed us off, right? Yeah. As, as we're watching it, because that is what's frustrated us, especially knowing that the potential is there and the performance has been there. Look, we can count it off. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, Bogey Bogdanovich, John Collins, Clint Capella, Sadiq Bey, Onyeka Kongu, A.J. Griffin, and Jalen Johnson. What did I just say about 10 deep? Mm-hmm. That's 10 players. There it is. Those are your top 10 scorers, and those are 10 good players, too. Now, and, and you're talking about, obviously, let's kind of do the quick math here, math geniuses like me, five starters and five guys off the bench. But we're talking about guys who are very valuable off the bench. We, we just talked about Griffin and Johnson, even with their youth of how they are. A Kongu is, is, is a – 9.4 points per game, 7.4 point per game rebounder per game in 24 minutes. You know, he, he he's with a 30-minute performance. He can go and push 15-10, right, on, on points and rebounds. We know that Bogey, if he's hot, can be the best player on the court. I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have any doubt about that fact that Bogey is a player that sometimes has to be in that groove, Russ, but when he is – he can be the most dangerous player on the court for this team. And, you know, then Sadiq Bay, we don't know what Sadiq Bay is yet. We, we haven't seen him enough. He just got here. But he, he's a contributor. Hell, he scored 50 in a game last year, right? Or mm-hmm. 60 or something like that. So this is a talented team. And I want to watch John Collins tonight. 
I want to see what Quinn Snyder looks to do with John Collins because I don't think the other guy knew what the hell to do with him. I don't think that McMillan knew what to do with John Collins. No, I mean, John Collins, for the most part, as far as offense is concerned, uh, he's averaging 13.2 points per game. It feels like all of those are off offensive and defensive rebounds. Yeah. It's just kind of scrap points. He just kind of picks up the crumbs. I agree. And um, doesn't seem like anything's ever called for him. Yeah. The, the, and and, and that, that part of it's probably going to take a little bit of time. But, you know, the, you, you have a guy that was averaging almost 20 points a game as a rookie. I mean, he he can play offense, and I don't know. It just feels like it feels like this organization has a direction for the first time since Travis Schlenk took over, and for the first time on the bench since they drafted Trey Young. There, there's going to be a, I don't know exactly what the plan is, but there's going to be one, uh, and and I think it it almost sounds like these players are asking for coaching. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, typically in the NBA, historically, when it gets like this, there's some there's 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 a selfish player in the locker room. There's something like this. But it sounds it's starting to sound like from the comments these guys have made that collectively as a group, they're asking for somebody to come in and do this to help them get better and win, which is awesome. You know, the funny thing about it, too, Russ, is this Travis Schlink had one year with Mike Budenholzer. Then Budenholzer knew what was getting ready to happen. He bolted. I don't blame him. He could go coach, obviously, one of the best players in the NBA in Milwaukee with the Greek Freak. Travis Schlink then was able to pick his first head coach. All right, that was Lloyd Pierce. That was someone who was brought in 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 that time period to try to help players develop. He was looked at as a developmental coach because he was an assistant coach. He was looked at as a defensive coach, which we never really saw. And therefore, Lloyd was the pick. I think most of us knew that once the Hawks got good, it was a very good possibility that someone else would come in to take Atlanta to that next level as a head coach. Because that's the way it's done in the NBA. It's done all the time. Mm-hmm. Hell, I mean, it's just the way it is. You can go back to when Michael Jordan was drafted. Doug Collins, who I loved. I loved Doug Collins. You know, that they, they just thought they hit a wall. And they decided to, to elevate Phil Jackson – as the head coach, that was Jerry Krause's decision. So I think we all knew that that was going to happen when the Hawks got good. Now, unfortunately, Lloyd Pierce didn't make it because they were not playing well and underachieving. Okay, boom, he gets fired. A veteran coach takes over on an interim basis for the rest of the year. They go 27-11 for the rest of the regular season. They make it in the playoffs. They go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. You are plumb obligated to keep him. And Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan doesn't work out. Two years later, here we are. This is the coach that should have been in place two years ago, perhaps, when the Hawks were getting ready to be that team we talked about that could go from a 500 team to a 50-win team or a 55-win team and be a contender. The, the, The pace got accelerated because of what happened two summers ago. So this is also the first time that we've really had any general manager in this era of Hawks basketball, whether it's Travis Schlenk or Landry Fields, be able to pick someone that can make this team win. Again, they 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 didn't pick – they picked Nate to finish the year. I don't know if they had any kind of belief that Nate McMillan was going to be the guy. They had to get Lloyd Pierce out of there. That's obvious because – 
crap was going on. Listen to the Chandler Parsons video on on social media about Lloyd Pierce, and you can hear they had crap going on. He needed to go. So to me, it's like, okay, let's forget about what happened two summers ago. Let's pretend like this was what should have been going on two summers ago. We were like, okay, now we need a coach that can help make them a contender and maybe a champion. But I think that's what Quinn Snyder is, and I'm excited as heck about it. I, I you know, I, we we were saying earlier in the year when the Hawks really weren't getting our attention, and even last year when they were struggling at times. Well, the Hawks are playing tonight. It was almost like we were four years ago when they started this process, and that was after. They had gotten our attention two years ago when it was fun as hell. I'm telling you, folks, uh, and, and some people may be listening to this saying, well, why are they talking about the Hawks so much? If you paid attention two years ago to that run in the summer of 2021, you know what we're yearning for again. We want that back. And I can't wait to see if Quinn Snyder can do it. Because I, I last year when he decided not to stay with Utah, Russ and I both looked at each other like, hmm. That could be someone if Mr. McMillan doesn't work out. And so, heck, how often does that happen, Russ, where no, we, yeah, that I, kind of falls into I, our lap? I was going to say, I don't think we're the only ones thinking that. Because, it. I mean, they didn't waste any time. I was just went back and looked. Travis Link, it was almost two months ago to the day when he stepped down right before Christmas. Um, and then once the Nate McMillan thing ran its course, I mean, they didn't waste any time bringing him in. So, that – that's this is it's an exciting time you know what and and it feels like because of the five-year deal if Quinn Schneider doesn't feel like this is the right mix of players then they'll be quickly to move on and, and start over because that's it, it would stink to have to do that but that's what you have to do in the NBA I don't yep. think they will though I think this is going to work I, I I'm anxious and hopeful of it as well I am and Quinn will know what they need to add to this mix too but again as we said he's probably looking at that roster today saying holy crap they're 10 deep. Why are they only a game over 500? Well, that's why you're here, big boy. <laughs> we'll take a break. Come back. Rod McKenzie talks Georgia Tech basketball and baseball right after this. <laughs> 14 minutes before the top of the hour. Thank you very much for being with us. Let's bring in Rod McKenzie now to talk a little hoops, Georgia Tech hoops in particular. Rod McKenzie with geojackets.com. And uh, on Twitter, at G.A. Panther, and Rod's at the uh, – I guess we should talk baseball first since you're at the baseball game with the uh, – are they serving iced teas today at Long, uh, with Long Island as the, uh, as the yeah. opponent? I, I asked for a six-pack of Yingling, but they wouldn't give it to me. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's uh, the, the trials and tribulations of uh, being in the media, you know. Yeah, Moose should have been more creative on his uh, 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 press box uh, drinks. All right, so seven and zero. You can't get much better than that. Uh, sweeping Tennessee Tech uh, over the weekend, winning eleven to seven on Sunday. Still high scoring games, though, Rod. Yeah, they uh, starting pitcher uh, Logan McGuire. Uh, we we didn't know about it uh, prior to this game. He's had some nerve issues in his arm, and evidently, uh, as the game proceeded, his he, his uh, hand went numb. Mm. So he couldn't grip the ball. So he only lasted one in the third innings. And that's where they scored those five early runs. But uh, you know, he uh, the defense didn't help him at all. Uh, they bobbled a, a double play ground ball and another. So all all five runs were unearned. But uh, you always get the feeling uh, in some of these early games that 
the tech batters are, are going to find a way to come back. And they did. And, you know, a couple more home runs and uh, just, you know, timely hitting, which has uh, been the trademark of this team so far. So this weekend, of course, we've got the series with Georgia, and I, I think a lot of people are excited about this. Look, these are two good teams who, uh, heck, they may meet uh, down the road uh, if if possible, if they both live up to their potential, if they can both deal with their own own conferences. But what are you looking for this weekend? More more high scoring games, perhaps? Yeah, and I I I think if you're a Tech fan, you're hoping that that maybe the three starting injured infielders are able to make their way back. Uh, as of right now, it doesn't look too good. So, you know, they had a high-ranking uh, freshman recruiting class, so they're going to have to count on those guys to, you know, the old cliche, the next man up. So uh, that you got you have freshmen at third and shortstop, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how they go. But today they're trying something different. They're, they've uh, put Jackson Finley at first and the starting first, first baseman, uh, John Geisler, at third. So... They're trying to get some more experienced bats into the lineup uh, in anticipation of, of maybe the, the starters not being available for the weekend series with Georgia. Mm. All right, we'll see what happens for sure. should be a fun weekend. Georgia Tech hoops now tonight. They are at Syracuse to play the Orangemen and that horrible human being of a head coach that the Orangemen have. Tech is uh, 12 and 17 now, 4 and 14 in the ACC. They have won four of their last six games, Rod, so – uh, they they are playing a little bit better. How much do these two games here on the road, first Syracuse tonight, then Boston College Saturday, I mean, could they determine anything when it comes to Josh Pastor? Could he save his job with two wins here? Yeah, I, I'm i not sure if, if that's the case because I think they've shown through the month of February that they're playing better. He's gone to a shorter rotation, which, you know, in hindsight, maybe he should have done earlier in the season playing maybe playing Rodney Howard a little less, playing uh, Javon Franklin more, but that's that's hindsight. You know, you can't uh, deal with that. So I, I think the team is – they haven't given up. They're playing hard. Uh, the, even the games they've lost, they've been in them right down to the end. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have to play well. They haven't had a road victory yet this year. Mm. Uh, and these two games are possibilities for sure. And it would be nice to you know to finish out uh, with with a road win because they don't have one yet, you know. Wow. And, and uh, but they're 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 guaranteed, I believe, of of uh, having two teams finish below them in the standings. So their opening round opponent will not be you know one of the top seeds. Well, we will see what uh, happens with that. Hey, I, I wanted to, to ask you about Keon White because the combine is coming up here and. He is a player that seems to be getting – we're talking football now, of course. He's a player that Rod is getting a lot of attention as a potential first-round pick, which I don't know if, if we really thought that last season during the year. Maybe maybe I just didn't realize that he was that uh, heralded of a prospect. But uh, how much could he help himself in Indianapolis this week? Oh, for sure. I mean, a lot of people now are talking about him, like you said, maybe a first-round pick. and. When he arrived at Georgia Tech, he had, in the off season had an injury, and he did not play the whole season. So he just uh, spent a lot of time in the weight room, you know, uh, lifting and, and trying to turn to rehab. And so he really only played one season at Georgia Tech, even though he was here too. Uh, and as the season went on, 
you know, they uh, they had more confidence in him, kept him out there on the field, didn't take him out in the rotation, and he and he if he didn't pick up a sack, he was rushing the passer, you know, hurrying the passer. So, uh, I mean, there's it, it's nice if you can have a a 285 pound defensive end who also has speed. So. Uh, you know, that, that'll that make you some money in the NFL. Oh, no doubt. Well, I, I tell you, I'm really excited for him uh, and for Brent Key. I think it's a great thing to be able to have in, in this. I mean, it's always a good thing to have a first-round draft pick, but especially in the situation they're in. You know, Brent Key, and I'm not trying to say he's desperate by any means, but he is holding on to things that are a positive right now after such a, a lean time here the last couple of seasons for Georgia Tech and having a first round pick rod would be a heck of a thing to be able to talent to defensive players around the state and around the south who want to come to Georgia Tech and one day go to the NFL yeah like you said it would be a great recruiting tool for for Brent and uh, if you want to see Brent in action uh, come to Russ Chandler Stadium Saturday he'll be throwing out the first pitch awesome Awesome. Well, that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see that. And uh, he he was at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame event the other night, so uh, he is uh, getting around the state of Georgia. And and uh, the new AD was there, so it was it was good to have him at the ceremony. Of course, they were there for Sean Jones, who he was a pleasure to meet. Rod, what a, what a nice nice man, and just uh, great to be able to honor him for such a great career he had. And and you know, I, I I laughed and said on Friday night at the ceremony, don't don't tell uh, Joe Hamilton, but one of the best quarterbacks in Georgia Tech history. Yeah, he and Joe are definitely two of the best, and and both are great guys, really nice guys. Oh, absolutely. Well, I like Reggie Ball too, but y'all just don't give him any love up there. Well, I, I did, but I took a lot of heat for that. But you know, <laughs> everyone they only remember that uh, that play at uh, at Georgia. Yeah, you know, when he ran out of bounds on third down, so well, he was just being chased by the silver britches. I mean, what are you going to do? So uh, he, uh, you know, he he. After Stetson, Reggie Ball may get a uh, statue up there in Athens as well. We're considering that, Rod. Just let everybody know up there in, in Atlanta. They could have be arm in arm, you know. <laughs> hey, enjoy the baseball game. Uh, it, it's always a, what a great day. I'm sure is the yellow just flying around in the trees like it is down here in Macon. Oh yeah, mid mid seventies up here, so uh, pollen count is high. You got to love it. Outstanding, great baseball weather, no doubt. Rod, thank you very much for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, Rod McKenzie, our guest, geojackets.com, and of course you can follow him on Twitter at ga panther. He does great job for that website covering Georgia Tech football, basketball, and baseball as well. And we'll see how the Yellow Jackets do with these two games on the road at Syracuse and Boston College to end the regular season in men's hoops. You are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.